people have actually reached out to me like fans of of super ego or whatever like they're mm-hmm. like hey i'm losing my hair and I, you shave your head like eh, i don't know and i'm always like yeah. just do it yeah yeah oh i love my, that my bald grandpa used to say the difference between a good haircut and a bad haircut is about a week <laughs> so go ahead and if it's already a mess for you and you're feeling bad about it make a change and if you don't like that you can get back to where you were i love it and that's my general feeling on it so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take that quote, make it into a T-shirt, and uh, make money off of it. Please That's do, cool. yeah, Great. totally fine. All the bold talk, talking bold talk, no hairdos, no shampoos, interviews, only on bold talk. Hello and welcome to the Bald Talk podcast where one or more bald comedians interview bald actors, writers, directors, casting directors, cruise ship directors, and really anyone bald about being bald. I am Brian Husky and folks, <laughs> I am bald. And today's guest is even more gloriously bald than I am. He is an actor, improviser, podcaster, and musician living in Los Angeles. He is part of the hilarious improvised sketch and podcast comedy group Super Ego. He has appeared on Blindspot and Conan, and he is the casting director and voice director for Talking Tom and Friends, which I'm fascinated by, Uh, which goes to prove that the voiceover world is very kind to the bald people. Please welcome Mark McConville. Brian, I am thrilled my beautiful bald baby. Look at you. Oh, BBB. BBB. <laughs> Good to have you. Thanks. Went and saw my parents at Phoenix. I drove. Uh, they're there right or Not right now. They were there. And I went to mm-hmm. see them. It's the first time I'd seen them since the pandemic began. Oh, wow. And yeah. I, li- I just mainlined bald talk episodes. Oh, nice. Nice. So, yeah, I feel, I feel, uh, yeah, I'm a, a kindred spirit. A greater acceptance for yourself and, and, and others. others like you. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, let's just get into fucking it. When, You've got it. When did it start? When did the when did the change begin? Uh, I, I, I remember the moment of oh oh, which is I I went to get a haircut. Whatever I don't know what year this would be, but I I remember wanting the sort of Caesar cut that was going around the George oh, wow. Clooney. So this is probably 90, ni- late 90s, 97, 98. Yeah. And I, I went to a fancier salon than I normally would. I was, pro- I was in college. So right. yeah, I was probably 20, 21. And I asked for this specific haircut. This is so embarrassing. And, and your hair jumped off your head. <laughs> the the stylist just went, your- oh, honey, I can't do that with this. And then she held up a mirror and it, I'd never seen it. And no one had ever said anything. Oh, wow. You mean you had like a tonsure on the back, a little solar panel kind of thing? I mean, it was all going. Yeah. Just um, thin. Just, kinda. yeah, very thin. And yeah. I, I had never really looked or had cause to look. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it, so, is that, it is that point of view. I mean, I still, I go to the bathroom, brush my teeth, looking at it. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I got a little in the middle, you know, I'm fine. Uh-huh. And then- any any security camera, any time I'm on camera over the shoulder shot, I'm just yeah. like, oh wow, there is not much going on. Yeah, I, I caught myself. There's a CVS self checkout camera, and I just was mm-hmm. sort of dealing with my items with my chin sort of tucked so I could look down. Yeah, and just I sort of caught a glimpse of it as I came up. Yeah, of just the top and back. 
just an right. angle I never see in the natural world. So you have a classic ring if you let it go. Yeah, it's a little. I imagine that the sides are like World War One trenches, and then it's a no man's land because there's a little yeah. bit. If I don't shave it, there's just mm-hmm. these little spindly. Yeah, just remnants of yesteryear that's what i've got so i just sort of like to clean it up because i feel like if i do grow out what's there it Mm -hmm. it just even if i let it go forever for a very Uh long time i just think it would not it would not suit me very well you didn't so during pandemic you'd not you were not like fuck it you were just oh i certainly was but i think i just get sick of it and and shave i just feel better when i'm fully cleanly shaved yeah yeah, I let it go. It definitely got to uh, some re- reflection of my emotional state, <laughs> the length of my <laughs> hair, just like the sadder it got. And so yeah. my girlfriend was really into it. Like she really, she loves a shaggy ring. And I was just yeah. like, I can't. Because the other thing is like the longer it gets, you take a shower, it, you know, you always lose hair when you take a shower. But like the longer the hair, the more it's just like the it it is the hair is going like you're seeing long would you say yours is still going if you grow so you grew it out and it's still going well i think uh, the research that i've done and any research that i mention is one google search so uh, <laughs> uh the in-depth sort of like uh research that i do but it yeah apparently any you lose on average 50 to 100 hairs a day everybody does everybody um Everybody. And so, you know, it's like little tiny ones, bigger ones. Sure. And apparently you lose so or it, it, it like breaks off and it's in your hair and stuff. And then if you take a shower, it seems like more is coming out because you're you're flooding the stuff out. So I guess I'm losing the normal amount, but I don't have much to spare. So you know That's a wild thing. I never I am i I've been shaving my head for so long now that I don't even think about the loss of hair. When when did you start shaving it? Uh, so I got that haircut and God bless that woman for just hitting me over the head with it. Yeah. I mean, my grandfather was bald and only known him as a bald man. And so it's like I grew and he, he was near when I was growing up. So it's like, I was so used to seeing his hair, but I had long hair in high school. Yeah. I was a hockey player. I had hockey hair like crazy. I was into yeah, like yeah. hard rock and I had the long shoulder length hair. I, yeah. I made it I made it work when it did work and then yeah lived it up about 20 it. it was just sort of this woman just stopped that so I had I had bad haircuts for a couple of years and then I was dating a woman who had dyed her hair to the point of it needing to be buzz cut she had oh, done she had, so, like, much so much damage to her hair yeah and so she had she bought a clipper and I sort of had this sort of like spiky pushed forward hair that I mean, I designed it. No, no, no hair professional <laughs> helped me. I just went, I think it'll be good if I put a little product in and just sort of spike it and shove it forward. That's really funny. And then, <laughs> yeah, this, this girl that I was dating buzz cut her hair mm-hmm. and I said, I'll do it too. Because I, I know at that point I was well aware of what was going on. And she yeah. said something along the lines of that's, that's such a good look on you. You should never do anything else. Oh, that's good. So I had buzzed it with that. And then. I moved to LA in like 2002 and the first mm-hmm. couple Halloweens I did shaved head classic Halloween costumes. Daddy Warbucks and Mr. Clean. Wow, nice. And so I had not shaved with like a straight razor or a, you know, a, a razor mm-hmm. up, up until then. And 
once I did that, it kind of went, this, this feels good. I like, and that's what you do now. Like you, you pick it with a razor and stuff and you never, it's, it's interesting. I saw, oh man, Adam, Adam Lusky, uh, Adam. Oh, he's a guest. He's on corporate. Oh, Adam Lustick. I don't, I think I know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I've never met him, but yes. Yeah. Lovely guy, ball guy, of uh, course. you know, pate friend. He, uh, he was, I saw him in a video recently and he let his, he did the same as you. He shaves yeah. it down, but he let it grow out and it looked really good. Like just this little kind of ring oh. around the side. And I went, I want to reach out and say like, Hey, I think it looks good. <laughs> I'm, I'm always on the precipice. I'm always saying like, yeah, maybe I'll do it sometime. And honestly, the only, I think the only way I'm going to shave my head is if I'd get it for a roll. If someone tells me, right. Shave your head. Because I get such pushback from the women that matter in my life. Like my daughter says, you will look disgusting. But she'll say that about any <laughs> anything I do because she's a teenager. And then my girlfriend is into it. You know, she, okay. I'll mention it and she's like, yeah, no, I guess you could do that. That's cool. Well, my but wife I'm so can't curious. get enough of the clean shave. She's just you really? Like, oh, she's like, did you just shave? Get over here. Like, let's do oh, the wow. cheek to cheek action. Nice. Yeah, she's very into the clean. Like, if I let it go... I let it go like probably right before the pandemic and I really mm-hmm. I grow a terrible beard. I have this giant patchy spot. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, even in just sort of thinking about the show and in this interview, I I went through some old photos. I was like, "Oh right, the goatee era. I just oh, had man. this real unfortunate haircut that I invented myself." And Wow, so you were a person a goatee. You were you were I cannot picture you in the vein of Caesar haircut goatee. Like I just see you in like uh, like oversized sort of like bowling shirts. I mean that's go- true. Yeah, really. I'd certainly had that face. Uh, I, let's so be funny. clear. I never got to the Caesar cut. That that style oh, yeah, sort of nipped it and was like, you cannot do that. Let's do this. That would sort have of been like maybe she's a, the architect of that unfortunate period of my hair. Oh, what you? Uh, where where she was, was like, this? maybe you could do this and this, and then I just modified right, right. it on my own. Yeah. <laughs> What a she's, weird thing to think. I haven't thought about this in so long. That's so funny. Yeah. She's like, she's the equivalent of like whoever, whatever architect did Trump's hair. It's like she was sort of like right. designing yeah. this impossible j- Jenga puzzle for and you to do like, with no, your no, hair. No, I got it. I can do it. I could do this. I could do this. Don't worry about it. Our terrible Trump sounds impressions. Like, yeah, I know. He's like, <laughs> both from the Bronx. <laughs> hey, forget about it. I'm Trump. Okay. It's me, Donald Trump. <laughs> Look at my beautiful hair. Look at how I look. My voice is so consistent, Irie bra. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it? So, I mean, one thing that always comes up is just the, you know, we work in Hollywood where yeah. your package is yourself. And has that ever been an issue for you with you? Uh, you know, I mean, like the, the sort of great and terrible thing about what's going on with my head and face is that yeah. I'm pretty baby faced. I actually, when mm-hmm. I first moved out here, I worked at Starbucks oh, wow. and uh, do you know who the uh, Kurt Fuller is? He's a character actor. Yeah. Miracle mile mm-hmm. uh, Wayne's world. He was a regular and I was sort of, I think I had a script for an audition or something on a break and he just sort of came over. He was super friendly. Yeah. And so we got to talking and he was like, Oh, I was like you, I, I lost my hair. My hair was falling out like crazy and Mm -hmm. I couldn't get any acting work. And if I did, it was sort of like live theater or 
which I guess for the for me the equivalent would be live improv. Yeah. And he's like, I didn't really work much at all till later in life. And he's like, you're just going to age into your look. You have to. Yeah. And that that has borne out. I mean, I really my late 20s to early 30s in L.A., I barely booked anything. Yeah. And and I got tons of advice from people like, let it grow out. There's like another commercial actor friend of mine was like, you got to just look like a schlub and just go for it. And yeah, I just couldn't do it. I, I would feel bad. So I just kept shaving and was like this is what this is what you get yeah it is it's like the thing of a character actor like you kind of have to lean into sometimes with the idea of like however people see your character you have to kind of exist in that space and right and some characters are gross (laughs) (laughs) yeah you guys have gone over the uh the sort of like general archetypes of uh, you need to sign this, sir. Yeah, and you're a bureaucratic. You weenie. can't go in here, sir. Like it's security guards and and middle management. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I I feel like I'm now aging into sort of tech tech billionaire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like if I can get in a little better shape and maybe uh, I'll do some of those masks and clear up my my awful skin. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. I uh, that that's on the table. I think. I don't know. I I've, yeah. I'm very uh, comfortable with. You're gonna get specific things right floated your way. It's not yeah. gonna be. I guess people just don't know what to do. Yeah, with, with Baldies on a, on a I, general level. I guess so. It is. It is. I mean, it's, it's such. <laughs> it is such. Like it's basically like it is the one trope of this podcast, which is more about like me trying to figure out my career. It's <laughs> 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 about like dealing with baldness, but it's it's. It's such a crazy thing of just like <clears throat> people can't th- th- it carries such weight especially in comedy. I don't know why in comedy it 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 it, uh, it still has this thing of like if you're going to be a bald character it it's you're going to be a bald character, you know. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like Cordry kind of has eclipsed that a little bit. Uh and cheer, I, I think. Yeah, and I think too, like comics, like stand-up comics who sort of parlay into acting often can like get away with a certain like they're getting hired because they were seen as funny in a different context, and I guess right. that happens with improv people too, right? Like, yeah, you just get seen as this sort of like personality first, baldy second, mm-hmm. but it's rare. That is rare. Yeah, yeah. Or you're like Bill Burr, like you were a known quantity, and then all of a sudden you're just bald all yeah. of a sudden shave head bald yes yeah. uh which he's he's more terrifying to me now <laughs> <laughs> has he always been semi-terrifying to you he's got like a wait, i like massachusetts energy uh is yeah. very uh intense to me and i've been i've hung out with a bunch of you know bostonians and, and yeah. weymouth dudes and stuff and <laughs> They're all lovely, but there's definitely some some bro energy that's sometimes some, some chips on some shoulders. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. acceptance of like, yeah, abuse is cool, whatever. My, my dad's side of the family's from Boston, and we used to go there when I was a kid, and I just loved it. It was like this weird. Yeah, when you're eight, you're just like, I didn't grow up in a city like Boston, so when we'd go, I'd just be like, this is cool. There's a train underground. Whoa. Yeah. But I just, as I got older, I mean, my family's lovely, no doubt about it. But I, there were certainly stories and characters of just like, oh, yeah, that kind of thing only happens here. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. a unique spot for sure. Yeah, it was just I was like, I was like, there's a willing 
like a, a loving embrace of negativity here, just everywhere. <laughs> really, guys, really into this stuff. Yeah, my uncle Paul was like, "You're gonna make fun of me in your comedy," and I was like, "God, you don't know what I do at all." <laughs> but he gave he like wrote out a routine in his thick Boston accent, and I just yeah. went, this is really funny to me. It is very hilarious. I will never forget it. I also yeah. will never perform it. He will never. <laughs> I will never be. <laughs> out there on a stage as a stand-up just repeating but if i did it it would definitely be like a performance piece that's not stand-up i think he's just imagining that i'm out grinding in stand-up clubs which nope nope that's so great yeah you could have done it as like a uh, well here's a viewer submission uh for (laughs) my stand-up that i should do right give this a shot but even in his thing it was very negative he was like you don't make fun of me right you're not going to make fun of me you're not going to do it you're not going to make fun of me it's like no he's like if you Mm -hmm. did this is what you should say it was was not it's just a very bland but this is what people talk like in blue collar boston that's it i've been really funny if it was like just deeply confessional just this just sort of like hey how many micro penises we got in the audience huh anybody anybody else I know it's me. There's one. <laughs> right? Okay. Let's show it. And then at this point, you'll show it. Yeah, that's funny, right? right yeah. You did do that kind of thing. That's yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. That's Boston stand-up right there. Yeah. Hey, look, it's me, Donald Trump. I got a micro penis. <laughs> uh, how is it being the only bald guy in Super Ego? It's I'm fine. Just, yeah. Look, I, mean, I guess- Let's like, be honest. Can you, we please can we cut the bullshit and be honest for just I, one second? I've been- uh, you guys have pointed it out on the show. My wife has pointed it out. She's just like, those guys keep getting older. Like, and just not, I mean, everybody obviously is getting older, but she's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, like their looks are changing. Yeah. The, the, and, and it's true of our friends that aren't in show business too, or it'll be like, you'll see somebody after a while and go like, Oh, okay. Oh, man. Like there's stuff going on. And so. Especially after, after seeing somebody post pandemic. Yeah. That sometimes is like, wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah, 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 we've yeah. all been through some stuff. So, yeah, I, I honestly, only leading up to this interview was I really, like, deeply considering baldness. I really don't right. think about it that much. That's great. I just go, like, this is what I got going on. Yeah. There's not a lot I can do about it, and I got other shit to worry about, so I guess I wonder I guess if I would not. That. I wonder if I would not think about it so much if I hadn't stumbled into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I go in and out and be like, ah, you know what? I really should stop focusing on this so much, but I sort of have to focus on this. And the yeah. only the only the only thing I've been focusing on recently is my pattern is lopsidedly receding. Like one side oh, is a little bit lower, like an, on an the top. asymmetry. Yeah, yeah. You know, because normally it's like it, I've always I've made peace with this one part in the trough in the back that's just like this. This little kind of like right in the middle, just this dangling uh, curtain <laughs> of hair <laughs> that I can't like if I comb it over to the side, it looks like I'm trying to do a bizarre comb over. If I push it to the other side, it just becomes like a clump. Yeah. So I've got like that bizarre thing. I've made peace. But then on the top, it's just like one side's a little bit lower. And I, I you, think it, I don't know because I haven't really examined it, but I think when I grow mine out, it'll there's like a little hook on one side. There's like a yeah. little like piece of something trying to get to the middle right. on one side, but not on the other. So my ring I mean, is not a real smooth ring. It's got some 
hiccups to it, which is another reason that we just go. The other thing that is insane about the time we live in is uh, we're constantly being in, we're always encountering our, our selves, (laughs) you know, like we're doing it right now on, on zoom. Right. We have to do it for self taping. Yep. Um, you take a picture, you immediately flip it around and look at it. You know, it's yeah. the difference between like when I was growing up and you just, you'd be like, oh, wow, I looked like that five years ago, yeah. whatever. Um, so there's a, a strange kind of like constant scrutiny. I guess that maybe that is helpful to me because I just go, well, this is more confirmation of this yeah. is what you're dealing with when you're dealing with me. This yeah. is what I look like. That's it. But so let me ask, because if I ever right. do to get to this point. What about living in Los Angeles and being a gigantic exposed sphere? Like, are you worried about like skin uh, blemishes, oh, sure. skin cancer? Like, what, well, do you yeah. wear a big floppy hat? What's your I deal? do wear a ball cap occasionally. I like to just let it ride, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm a sunscreen boy. Like, what are we talking? Fifty, hundred, which is useless. Oh, I think like twenty five, which is maybe not enough. No, probably not enough. But I did have a, I had a physical recently and the doctor did a little um, like Dewey Decimal System uh, <laughs> scanning of the head, like with his fingers. And he was like, I'm not seeing anything. So I think you're okay. He filed your head for you? I guess, basically. yeah. But uh, yeah, there's, I, I'm also indoors mostly. I'm, if I'm hiking yeah. or doing, we have a dog. If I'm walking the dog, I probably yeah. wearing a hat. Yeah, because that is. I guess is... I'm concerned about it to the point. To the point I can, it's manageable, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I would just have, yeah, wife, mm-hmm. have her be the, the stylist who stop, who cut you off from the Caesar haircut sure. and let you know that you're starting to get some, some shading going on up there. I think maybe the biggest pitfall of the fully shaved head is if you do wear a hat and it is super sunny, you can get a nasty looking cap tan. Oh, that's right. From and the mesh. Bad. I've had yeah. that. Or just the line. I wear a fitted ball cap. Right. So like my the bottom the base of my skull and my neck will get burned and the yeah. the head will be pale. And that's, then I have this weird, weird line on the back of my head yeah. of tan, not tan. So that's mostly another reason why I'll just go like, yeah, a thirty minute walk with some sun is not the worst thing in the world for me. I do want to find one of those it's like basically an AARP hat. <laughs> an admission that I'm old, but <laughs> You know what I mean? Just let up. It's got to be like a wide brim protective yeah. thing, but they all look horrible. Oh, I like can't. I also have a big head. I, I'm like a seven and three quarters. Oh, wow. Which is a big. Hats are not great for me. That's why a ball cap is so good because I can. I feel like it's good, but those wide brim hats, I look insane. Yeah. I have the opposite. I'm, I have a tiny little head, okay, so they yeah. look insane. I look like a little boy playing dress up, <laughs> <laughs> playing safari. Uh, let me ask you this. When did you yeah. move to New York and start doing UCB? So I moved to New York in 98, uh, okay. but I moved there to go to photo school because mm-hmm. I was on track to be a photographer. Did that, did some assisting and shooting for like a year or so afterwards. And then Rob Corgery and I became roommates through a friend. Uh-huh. And that was, so in 90. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I moved to New York in 96, and 98 is when I started UCB. Okay. Yeah. Now, I want um, to put a pin in that because now I just need clarification on the Carvana commercial. Did you guys okay. audition together? I listened no. to his episode, and I went like, 
how did they cast both of you and then put <laughs> you, Brian Husky, in a wig? Yeah. No, you didn't. Cor- you didn't audition together. That's the only way that I could see this happening. Where you no, book- it, like Cordry Cordry was offered this campaign. Okay. And so they were like, you know, we want to pair you up with somebody. We were, we're doing auditions. And they're like, do you have any suggestions? And he was like, kindly, he was like, the one person I want to do these with is my buddy, Brian. Oh, that's great. And yeah. So, and I still had to audition and they were like, yeah, of course. okay, great. And You're then right. the wig, then the wig discussion. And then happened. the wig happened. Yeah. So it was like, and it was totally this whole thing of like, they, they pitched it and it's like, you know, what would be fun. You know, be like a cool angle for your character. Yeah, would be if he had a wig on. It's like, oh, because there are two bald guys in the commercial. Like, no, <laughs> no, 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 yes, no. no. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, Hard yes, yes, but no. Hardest of yeses. Yeah, and I was. It, it was fun to wear it, you know, yeah, but it yeah, was yeah. also a pain in the ass because they had to. They had to. I mean, I guess, and they're also really expensive. Like the wig was like three thousand bucks or something Jeez. for this like thing. So they put, they had like the weakest come and put it on my head, and it was this oversized thing. So at first, I looked, it just was this weird kind of like very seventies looking. Yeah, like it could have been cool. I was like, I was a little bit like, let's just have him beat this guy because this yeah. guy is gross. Um, <laughs> and then they like trimmed it up and stuff. Uh, and like I, I think I've said on the show, like the number of people are like, "Hey man, you look pretty good with a head of hair like that." And I was like, oh. "Well, you're gross because this is a gross head of hair." I think. Yeah, I a wig is not in the cards, obviously, because you're, you're as a you. lifestyle choice. Yes. Or? <laughs> no. Yeah, me neither. No, none of the like alternatives to what I've got going on really made sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, though I've worn wigs for shows and stuff, and it's like, yeah, okay, this. I mean, it's very utilitarian for me. Yeah, it never, it would never bridge into. Maybe I take this home. Maybe this I, weekend I'll 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 try it out. There's, never. I mean, there are very few men that I know who are willing to to put that much like conscious maintenance mm-hmm. into how they look. You know, what I mean, I mean. It's not a judgment of and stuff, but it is a strange right. thing. It was like, that's a lot of, that's oh. putting on a lie <laughs> every Again, time. All, all those episodes I listened to on the way to and back from Phoenix, there's lots yeah. of guys that are just like, I got to do this every day with the treatments. And yeah, the, yeah, completely. The, and I get sweaty wearing a ball cap in air conditioning. So I can't yeah. imagine wearing a hair accessory of any kind for any amount of time in any situation and not just, I would sweat through my clothes. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, I guess people s- do it. I mean, people do it, and uh, and you know, I've definitely seen my share of toupees. Yeah, and they're always hilarious. You feel not. like you have good, uh, good wig dar. Matt Gorley from from Super Ego loves to talk about his wig dar when he's watching a movie. He'll be like, "Wig, that's a oh wig. yeah, yeah, Look at that wig." Yeah, I don't. Oh know, man, I, I was just I was just watching uh, Spider Man no, no Way Home. Great yeah, movie, yeah. huge mega bus, mega film, mega I've film. Heard of it. Oh my god, global, global. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Doctor Strange, you know, his little his yeah. his hair thing. And then the very first scene you see him, he doesn't his hair is all slicked back is because he's at home and he's not in Doctor Strange mode. Right. And it just it looked terrible. It just yeah. was like wig, 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 wig is is so distracting. Yeah. And I don't I don't really understand what uh, I'm I would always have to- am- 
amazed that gets that level or like it it has to be very bad for me to notice i definitely would have to consciously decide i'm going to watch this movie or television show and i'm Mm -hmm. on the lookout for wigs yeah i don't care i never even think about it to be honest but i just in public though there are times where i'll go like "Ooh, buddy yeah what who do you think you're fooling have you seen the uh the dropout do you know that series no um, it's about the lady who started Theranos. It's another one of these series that yes. if you're a fraudster, you will be forever celebrated. Yes. <laughs> and make money. In the Hall of Heroes. Yeah, totally. It's like, don't yeah. worry, you're going to prison, but you'll make some money off these residuals. William H. Macy wears a, he does the reverse of uh, wearing a wig. He's got this bald cap to to give him this huge receded hairline forehead. Oh. And it's, it's crazy. I mean, he looks like, like Modoc or something. He's just like his, <laughs> his head is so big in it. So probably because it adds, it adds real estate. Oh, right? it's so much real estate. And I. But can't, I'm saying it, like the thickness of a of a piece that like that yeah. is gonna just bulk yeah. up his head more. That, you can't hide that shit. That that that's the thing. That's the thing where it's just like this is like, it yeah it like. It, it 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 implies that his cranium is just like this thick rhino level, yeah, you know, base skull, very distracting. I want to get back to UCB because okay. I I was looking for stuff. Charlie and I have some crazy. How did we not meet stuff? Because I don't oh, really? think I've ever really met Charlie in person. Yeah. So, but you I guys have, have a lot of overlap. A a ton. It's oh, wow. wild. Um, but in 98, when I was going to school, I was, I'd been doing improv for a couple of years and my girlfriend at the time and her roommate and I drove from Madison, Wisconsin to New York city to mm-hmm. spend our spring break seeing shows Yeah, and thinking like, oh, maybe we moved to New York because some right. of our friends had moved and I still have this UCB flyer. Oh, wow. Cause we saw a show. It was an ass cat for sure. Yeah. And I'm sure the original four are in it. Mm-hmm. Plus, I remember, oh uh, man, Brian McCann. Oh yeah, he oh was a kill. Uh, he, he he had us so funny. rolling. But I think we were in. I don't know. That trip to New York was so terrifying for me because I went. I can't afford to visit this place. I don't know how I would afford to live here. Were you Were you and, guys on the on like considering moving there and stuff? Yeah, I think we were. Th- this would have been maybe my junior year of college. So mm-hmm. there was a group sort of considering like, all right, we know some people that are in yeah. New York now, and they're they're kind of getting it and doing stuff, and mm-hmm. let's check it out. And that that UCB space must have been brand new. I think there was still sawdust. Was there. that on Twenty Second Street? I have no idea. We were <laughs> staying. It? We were staying with an improv buddy who was going to NYU Law. So we were crammed in his shitty little dorm apartment on right. the NYU campus. And he just went, walk here, get on this train, go here. And we didn't have cell phones. He you just sort of told us how to get there. I just, just remember it seemed like it was in an alley and dark. The street was very <laughs> not busy compared yeah. to other areas of New York. It's the first time I'd ever been to New York. So, so I have no you, idea how we got there. When and you get when you came in was it you like walked down a little hallway and then it was just like you had to walk past the stage and sit. So like you come in, the stage is just floor level to the right. And then you'd walk and sit and face. That sounds right. Yeah. I think, yeah, that was well, 22nd street. And it used to be an old burlesque theater. Okay. And so the, the memo didn't go out to a lot of their clientele, 
which consisted of a lot of Hasidic Jews uh-huh. and a lot of Hispanic uh it's Hispanic gentlemen, uh-huh. and so they would they would come in usually pretty drunk, except for the Hispanic, uh, I mean the Hasidic Jews. But they would come in, pay really quickly, and then come and sit down in the audience. And <laughs> for a while, as we started, there was like a fair amount of times that people would get like, "This is not a comedy show. I mean, this is not a Berlin. Why are Why are they clothes. wearing clothes still? There's so much foreplay to this scenario. I don't understand." Uh, but yeah, that yeah. I, I think had I felt more comfortable in New York, I might have moved to New York. So where? So what is? So what is the super ego sort of genesis? Were you? Did you? You didn't move to New York. You moved to was it San Francisco? Uh, no, I was in Wisconsin. I grew up near where Charlie grew up. Yeah, just across the border in a town called Hudson. Right. And then I was I fell in love with improv at Comedy Sports Minneapolis. Oh, that's the that's the overlap. But I'm a little older than Charlie. But I'm Colton Dunn is the reason that I got into comedy. Mm. We were doing this like, he, I think he called it "Don't Do Drugs Theater." Charlie, uh-huh. <laughs> we were. I was in a group with Colton, and he was. We were like generating material for this group that was actually yeah. pretty serious, right? But they were always like, you know, the cast members are writing the sketches, and so Colton and I were like, "Can can we do funny things?" And we were doing improv exercises. Yeah. And Colton was like, "Come and check out this show." called comedy sports it's in minneapolis which at the time i think i was 15 or 16 like the notion of my parents being like yeah that'd be cool for you to drive into minneapolis by yourself and go my parents weren't gonna go right but eventually like high school friends and i would go and i just was like from the jump was like this is great i really Mm. dig this that's great um i've always been jealous of people who found it so early like i yeah. I wanted to do it for a long time, and I was always doing some version of comedy, but not in the right circumstances. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I def I played hockey till I was like fifteen or sixteen, and then I hated the culture of hockey, or at least the guys that I played with. I just was yeah. an, I was an outsider, and then all these dudes were making me laugh doing community theater stuff. Yeah, and so I was like, I'd rather spend the downtime. It's like I love hockey. I still love hockey, but I the downtime was always the bummer. Right. And I was like, Oh wait, we get to do these plays and then fart around backstage and (laughs) make each other laugh and do bits. Like that's really the Genesis of it. And then Colton really like launched this. What is this improv stuff? Mm -hmm. But then I was, I went to school in Madison, Wisconsin and started doing comedy sports there in like six moved to LA in 2002. So I was in Madison until 2002 uh, just doing comedy sports there and doing, we had a couple long form shows and yeah, just trying to do acting stuff. I did a couple plays and then came to LA and kind of was like, I'm good. I don't need to perform. I don't know. Do you know, there's an actor named JD Walsh. Do you know JD? Mm-hmm. Yeah. JD was sort of a force of like, I was in Madison and he'd come back cause he's from there and he'd do some shows and go like, you know, you can do this in LA. And if you book one commercial, like your yeah. life's paid for for a year. Right. And you can, you don't have to do these odd jobs that you're doing. And I was like, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. And my girlfriend at the time moved immediately and I stayed back. But then I, I came out and for the first couple of years here, I just was like working. I was just trying to make money and have right. health insurance and not do shows. But JD kind of brought me to his theater on the West Side, Ultimate what? Improv. Oh, never heard of that. Yeah. Is it, it I, I don't know like that Santa it's still Monica? around, but I think yeah. 
It was right by the in and out in UCLA. I think his idea oh, okay. was we'll we'll have an improv show for UCLA students. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, at first I was like, great. I know yeah. a lot of these guys. I, you know, they had visited Madison. I had I had come out and visited and did some shows before I moved. Mm-hmm. And it was I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is like kind of all the community I need to get started. Right. And then I started doing comedy sports in LA too. So that's how I met Matt and Jeremy from Super Ego. They were sort of on their way out of improv. They were like, they both lived in Long Beach. They both were really funny guys that just got so so sick of driving to LA for uh, a show yeah. for 11 people on a Friday night. They were just like, God, it's torture to get up there. Yeah. Then when we do get there, it's like you kind of are rolling the dice on if the shows are going to be any good. Totally. And yeah, improv was fun, but also like there was no good spot. I mean, Whatever. I, yeah. I, that's actually kind of pre when I met them. Uh, mm-hmm. They were definitely on their way out. But Matt was sort of like, hey, we could record our improv and cut it and edit it to make it sound like sketch. And that was kind of early podcast yeah, days. Super right? early. 2006. Yeah. March of 2006. But, and crazy. we just made it because we liked it. You know, it yeah. was like we'd all kind of grown up with some form of audio sketch comedies even mm-hmm. stand-up records had some sketches on them right like yeah yeah we kind of love that stuff and and yeah it was like a cool way to just get together at matt's house record some stuff mm-hmm. make each other laugh and then yeah see if we could turn it into something more polished and then we just kept doing it because it was fun and it was sort of like i don't want to say it was better than live improv because to me like it yeah live improv is so fun when it's great totally. But yeah, this was maybe a little more controlled environment, and uh, yeah. Only on Ever heard of social media? We have, and no big deal, we are on it. Check us out on Instagram at BaldTalkPod or on Twitter at BaldTalkPodcast. Please make sure to like, rate, and review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We don't care where you get them, just get them. No judgment, wherever you get them, anywhere. 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 Whatever. No judgment. <laughs> as long as you listen, we don't give a fuck. Only on Talk. Like, you would just do a record and then chop it down, but was there ever any stuff, as you guys progressed in doing it, where you're like, oh, this is a really funny bit, we're going to nuance it and re-record any of it, or is it always just pure improv? Very infrequently would something get re-recorded it might get revisited like somebody might yeah. do a character where it's like oh let's put character x in scenario y and right. see what happens but yeah very rarely was it like oh we've generated a script and now mm-hmm. let's do a second pass of like writing on that script it was almost it does, always it's just, interesting because the y'all's body of work is <clears throat> it feels like it's sort of like pitch ready for if if you wanted to pitch us sketch show or i mean i don't know if you guys how you know if 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 you guys ever did that or you're just like no nah, we're just gonna stick with this oh no we did it oh, we've yeah, done yeah, it yeah. we've pitched uh, a lot of different sort of ideas of what it could be and that is its own journey a friend of mine is a writer and he was I, I he had pitched a lot and it's the first time we ever pitched anything i said do you have any advice and he goes like every pitch meeting has its special brand of stupidity that you will mm-hmm. not be able to predict and you will not be able to deflect. Yes. In the moment, you are just going to go, this ah. can't be what you're asking. <laughs> and you can't say that. 
Yeah. You know, the coolest thing you can do is go like, huh, let me think on that. Let me That's figure that out. Let, yeah. yeah we'll, let, can we, we'll take this back to, and have a little uh, powwow about that and figure that out. And yeah, always bad. Yeah. And then just almost always like, yeah, they, uh, they don't want to see you a second time. They don't need to uh, see you. Right. You took those notes. Yeah. It's tough because it's, it's an improvised thing and it's a scary thing for, for people that want to make TV content. It's so weird though, because it's, I think like we understand this, like, it, I mean, when you're writing, you're improvising an idea. Like yeah. you have, you have a starting point and then what rolls out of you is improvised basically. Right. And know? these sketches that we are presenting, like we would play or send sketches to, for people to listen to. Yeah. Like that's how we made this, mm-hmm. which sounds like an audio sketch. And if yeah. you just. You can animate it. We could do it live. We can do a combination. We can do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, no thanks. Uh, that's, so yeah. it's frustrating, but also I don't know, I, not to be too hippy-dippy about it, but it's not really why we started doing it. We just mm-hmm. were trying to like do a cool thing that made us laugh and gave us an excuse to like get together and improvise yeah. Yeah. In, in a context that was a lot less... With, yeah, like I said earlier, with less variables. I mean, it's kind of brilliant. It. I mean, I hope that you guys were making use of it during the pandemic because I'm, I'm feeling the lack of improv in my life in yeah. such a painful way. It's like driving me crazy. Do um, you do you think you will do improv again live in a theater? I really don't know. I mean, I'm I hope in, so. I'm in I, the same boat. I think I will but it's got to be the right context i can't imagine just i also just was i was in hollywood this week and walked mm-hmm. past the old io theater yeah where i used to do shows mm-hmm. and the, the neon sign is still up over the door it's been closed right. for almost five years wow and i just go well that's gone and like so many things are shifting and it's i would yeah. be practically starting over yeah i mean that's sort of how and i it you know ucb has been sold to Mosaic is now going to be sort of like managing its it, the theater itself. I read um, that but didn't know what that meant. I, I'm not quite sure either. I, I don't. Like, I don't even know that I know what Mosaic is. Well, Mosaic is a management company. Okay, got. Okay. That's like uh, Jimmy Miller, and you know he he manages Will Ferrell and Jack Black, and it's like got a it. comedy oasis. That's where Charlie Sanders is too. Um, oh, good. Yeah. But it's like, I don't, I have no, I, I, I don't understand the concept of like, oh, well, but those companies are kind of gross. So they're going to run this <laughs> DIY improv theater. I have no idea. And I, like, as far as for me, like I used to do a show called Soundtrack where we would like get people's iPads, iPads, iPods, or their phones now. Let's just say it. They're, they're on their phones. Or if they brought an iPad, I mean, you could dig yeah. around in there. Yeah, you know, they brought their laptop with them. We put them on stage. I but, just bring an iMac everywhere I go. I bring mm-hmm. my full 27-inch. Like the old, the old sort of like rounded one in different colors. That's right. Yeah, in his lap. And so uh, and we would improvise to songs on people's devices. And we did that for that show on Friday night for like... 12 years or something wow, crazy yeah. and i kind of feel like if we if if the opportunity to come back is there 
I don't feel terribly comfortable being like, all right, I had, you know, I did 12 years back in New York. I got 12 years here. So I deserve to get back on stage. Like there's a lot of yeah. new people who need the space, but I don't, <laughs> I don't want to give it up. <laughs> I, I, give it up. I, I guess I'm sort of comfortable with it. Cause I, as an older guy now, I sort of go, well, I did it. I did it for a long time. I started yeah. in, high school just like doing improv stuff on not on in front of people and then in mm-hmm. 96 i pretty much all my college career i did improv more than school practically right and then a couple years off when i moved here to la but then pretty much picked it right back up again and started doing shows at comedy sports la i was doing the musical show at io mm-hmm. um plenty of live stuff that I, just, I feel I th- like I, I got my fill a little bit. I don't think I don't know if I could s- start over from scratch. Yeah, but yeah, yeah some people I, have sort of sold it in that way. It's like, oh, that's exciting. You guys could start a new little theater space. I'm like, no, you don't understand. The older you get, the less ambition you have, and the less time you have for this stuff. And you yeah, know, I just want I, I want a space I can go into and is formatted for me to yeah and then you just step up and you do your thing and you go home and that's it yeah 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 my years of sort of like being fully invested in some sort of theater space and community i i hope they're not over but they feel over yeah i I guess i'm okay with it because i don't have i guess everything good in my life has come out of improv in some way or another and in the same breath in the same breath i can also say it was so disposable and i can't remember 99% (laughs) 99% <laughs> of what I've done over the last two decades. Completely. So, Anytime anybody recounts a scene, it's like, do you remember that scene you did? Like, nope, I do not. I in walk a way, off stage I think, and yeah. It- yeah, so in a way, I feel like Super Ego is super important to me and will always be because it is sort of, like, not to be corny, but it's a little legacy. It's a little mm-hmm. like, yeah, I was able to, like, actually record this in a way that I don't mind revisiting every now and again. Yeah. Uh, I think that the... the that I mean to get hippie on that is like I do think that that's like a pretty important thing like I love the idea of stuff that I've made it's somewhat some young version of myself is stumbling onto it you know what I mean because for somebody it's the first time to encounter something like that and that can be like really like gratifying yeah cool I think too my pandemic mind has gone to a very existential place of like am i funny anymore was Mm -hmm. i ever funny does it matter if i'm funny just like these dark sort of philosophical spots that i sort of have to like i'm an optimistic person and i'm generally a pretty happy-go-lucky person so yeah i tend to sort of like keep that darkness at arm's length but i guess i'm also comfortable going like well all the improv i did live i who gives a shit if it was funny or not? There's no way to prove that it was or wasn't. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. And I had a great time doing it, so I can't ever think, what a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I, I was actually going to ask. Like, I'm just so curious what other people's, other creative people's like d- experience of the pandemic was because I had the exact same thing. It's like, was I ever funny? Like, have I just yeah. been sort of like in this like idealistic bubble that, you know, if there isn't sort of like strife and yeah. it, social upheaval, it, I'm funny. And if not, it goes away. Uh, uh, yeah, I had, uh, well, there's 20 some episodes you can listen to on Stitcher Premium. Oh. Use the promo code, promo code mascots. I did a show called mascots where I interviewed people about 
their fandom. Yeah. And if there's teams they like, cause I'm a, I'm a sports fan. Yeah. And, but I also like the stuff about sports. That's not sports. Right. So I, I had made the show. I wrote it. I did a treatment, sold it to stitcher. It's like, cool. great. February, 2020, the first episode comes out. So mm-hmm. I did like six in-person interviews and the rest were zoom. Yep. And it felt weird as hell to be doing mm-hmm. them, uh, at all. Yeah. Let alone over zoom. That was yes. just weird to get into, but then it just went like, this is not important at all. I am doing a novelty project about novelty things uh-huh. in in a leisure. Like it's so far off of the map for what's important. But I guess like plenty of people that I talked to were like, I live alone. And this was awesome to just talk about something else for a while. Yeah, I know. I know. It is so, that kind of it, it, it goes to that. I feel like every performer i know either says it to another performer or has it said to them is like what you do is important because there's at some point there's some like feeling of like is this really a value like right am i contributing and stuff and and i think i i think everyone sort of has that in unless they're a a doctor or something (laughs) that they they (laughs) question like like am i really doing anything for the world but just existing is is enough as long as you're not Trump with your Brooklyn accent. I think so. Hey, I'm me, Donald Trump. Hey, it's me, Donald Trump as well. <laughs> I also like that he has to announce who he is. Uh, <laughs> I guess of all the people on the planet, he probably would do that. Yeah, he would Just introduce himself to everyone. Well, the um, that's a good funny voices leads me to. I got to ask you about uh, yeah uh, voiceover stuff because. Okay, so how so you are the casting director and voice director for that show? I think it's pretty safe to say was at was, this point. Okay. All right. Cuz that's a that's another victim of the pandemic. But you did a mm-hmm. voice on the show, yes, with Will, the old voice director. I think you did an episode of the show. Did I? I think so. I had a great or time. Did you work <laughs> You worked on <laughs> Word Girl? I did not work on Word Girl. I worked on uh whatever Tony Hale's sort of recent cartoon was. Okay. And then no wait I think I did I think I played a um like a, a a director on that show I think well the the for me the I I did an episode of Word Girl and the director of that was this guy Will Shepard hi mm-hmm. Will and oh. Will uh is great and he was directing this cartoon called Talking Tom and Friends mm-hmm. and he got a different gig and was like I need someone to replace me like today oh wow can you come in and do it right place right time and i went yeah let's let's do it so he was great and kind of handed it off to me and we i directed i don't know like almost 100 episodes of that it's an 11 wow that is a that is a crazy sort of it's kind of like the wildest cartoon no one's ever heard of because it's based on an app and the guy who the guy who created it and his buddy are they're from slovenia they're Mm -hmm. obsessed with american pop culture Yes, I did do and this. They, I remember yeah. this part. And they built, to me. <laughs> they built this sort of cartoon world for their app characters. Mm-hmm. And then they got good writers, like former Simpsons writers and some UCB guys to write. Yeah. And uh, then they got, like, Colin Hanks is the lead. Maria mm-hmm. Bamford is on it. This woman, Lisa Schwartz, who's super funny and talented. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Maria Bamford, James Adomian. And Tom Kinney, the voice of SpongeBob, is a character on there. Dang. And yeah, it was like, okay, so 
we're just going to record these things. So my mm-hmm. job was like, get the scripts, make sure I knew them inside and out, sit in a room with those guys while they did takes. And like, I would do the other parts and yeah, then I would ship that to Europe and they would make it into a commercial. <laughs> and it was is- great. It was such a great job because you know, you're watching, you, I learned so much from all of the people in the main cast and the guests too. Like we had like Lorraine Newman came in for a while and mm-hmm. some really cool people have come in over the, or I should say had, cause I just, like, I'm sort of like, yeah, I think this one's gone. Like it, really? the it episodes just... were coming out right as the pandemic happened. Yeah. And I think because animation takes so long, it was sort of like the writings on the wall that we're not coming back right. anytime soon. Oh, that's a bummer. I guess it's no one ever told me it's over. <laughs> Someone, but, somebody told me the other day they found out that their their show was canceled when they were working on another show. <laughs> they were like doing a voice, and it was like he mentioned his show, and they're like, "Oh, but that's canceled." So what? What do you mean? And he's like, "What? Yeah, your show's canceled." All right, yeah, let's do always, another take. <laughs> always seems like you should get that information as soon as it's available. But you think from the the actual show itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hearing it. Well, what look, what have you learned? Because I'm. So I do voiceover stuff and I'm super grateful and I love it and I want to do more. Yeah. And it it has always been, it is this fortress that is hard to penetrate. Like, Don't I know it? Yeah. I mean, Will brought me in because he's like, you're responsible enough to do sort of like insurance paperwork and <laughs> like I was filling out forms that I probably had no, but I mean, eventually you're, you're you just figure out how to really do appreciated that, that, yeah. that vote of confidence. Like you're good at paperwork, my man. I'm not, but I, I had to figure it out. It's a weird, it's so weird. It's so weird how people will work. This small band of men and women will work mm-hmm. for years doing yeah. all kinds. It doesn't really even matter what the show is. Yeah. But I feel like that, that sort of bleeds into other showbiz stuff, commercial acting, mm-hmm. TV, any, any live stuff. Like, do you get the gig? Like that yeah. is such a valuable thing. Mm-hmm. And I think there are, I'm not saying you do or don't know the voiceover gig. I'm sure you're great at it. Yeah. It's just a matter of like these people, it's like is automatic because yeah. it's just, you don't have a lot of time and you need people who are going to just get it and nail it. Mm-hmm. And get a lot of work done pretty quickly. Right. And I so that's, I think, why the doors are pretty tightly closed on the people that are already in the fortress. Because they're just like, they they get it and the people who are making decisions about hiring. But then I say that and it's like, it's such a celebrity driven thing too at this point. Oh, I, it I used like, to yeah, not be point. and now it really is like, oh, Hel- Hemsworth Brothers, did you want to be in a cartoon? Great. Yeah, completely. I was and, a voice on that that movie Storks. Remember that it came out? Yeah. So it was me and Liz Kakowski, who's this brilliant Chicago improviser yeah. and writer. And we were brought in to sort of work this to improvise the script and mm-hmm. work with the characters and stuff. And as we we're doing it, Nick the director, Nick Stoller's like, Hey, heads up, you're gonna be the parents in this movie. And we're like, Oh my god, that's so awesome. Oh, cool. And then as the film is coming close to finishing, we get an email from him and says like, so the studio wants to give the parts that you created and recorded already and have been put into the film to Ty Burrell and Jennifer Aniston oh, because no. they want names on the poster. Of course they do. And I was like, Ugh. and it 
bummed me out because it was it was that thing it was that i was like shit man this this is going to be one of those things like all right i'm gonna cross through this threshold and have this as a you know at I'm on my resume as, yeah and it you know and, and as crazy. much as yeah you're probably like me where you think like it should on a some level it should be a meritocracy i if i do yeah. a good job and i show you i'm capable of these things that you need done then I get the job, but it's, oh, that's my flawed thinking throughout my career. Constantly. I'm always <laughs> coming too. back to the, <laughs> and you're always like that person got it. Why are they doing a thing? And then you get into the, the jealousy traps and yeah. 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 It's taken me a while to kind of go like, you know what? There's plenty of, there's work. There's work mm-hmm. out there. It may not be the most glamorous all the time. It may be odd. And, but you know, there's opportunities out there. And totally. Super Ego Super Ego really was also sort of this like I never understood what make your own thing meant until we actually sort of stumbled into making this thing. Yeah. It's like, oh well, I can make whatever I want. I really can, and it's not necessarily gonna be this massive hit or even a mild hit. It might be nothing, but yeah. I can make the stuff. That's the stuff I enjoy is actually the process of making it. Well, I think so, that's what improv for me, it's like it. I, I realize what it does for me and, and, you know, it helps my brain and immensely. And then it helps my other creative energies because yeah. I, I, you know, that's taken care of and it's, yeah. And it is frustrating that there's, there's still, you know, you can create something and it, it, it's very hard. It's very hard to sort of create something now. It feels like without it being, because everyone is monetizing themselves you know yeah. every everyone's if you have a feed it, it it the monetization is like how many followers you have and stuff and it gets it gets tiring it's not fun no no so what we're saying is we need to go back to the days of the caesar haircut <laughs> <laughs> and the goatee when times well, are simpler before before we go i do have two things i want to ask you about sure number thing. one bruce willis retiring Maybe the baldest icon there is. Yeah. It's sad. I really, uh, I remember him on Letterman with the freshly shaved head mm-hmm. where he was like, this is the new comb over. And I yeah. went like, oh, that's my guy. Look yeah, at that. Yeah, yeah totally. This, is, uh, this helps me. Because mm-hmm. if he can, you know, if he's in these like A-list roles, there's hope. There's hope that people will go like, oh, it's another guy like that. Not that I yeah. think I'm anything like Bruce Willis. I'm absolutely not, but. Yeah, I'm. I'm sad to hear that news. It's very sad. That is sad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a certain. It, it's strange with certain celebrities. You know, they're. I'm aware, like there are a lot of celebrities that they get to a point in, where your awareness of of what their aging is like stops. You know, they're sort of <laughs> yeah. shut off from the world, and then you see. Yeah. And then you're like, oh wow, human 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 being (laughs) yeah maybe without the team of of makeup and hair and wardrobe like you just sort of see like oh yeah they let all those people go because they're not out in public anymore and ooh, yeah that's why i bruce dern i love him because he's just like i am old and old and still get used to it get used to it the other thing is it's overdone and overcovered but I, I'm shocked no one has talked about the slap in a bald context. The Oscars, yeah. the Chris Rock is that is Chris Rock's pretty bad and dated joke that yeah. got him slapped by Will Smith. Potentially the end of the 
bald joke. Yeah, I, I've, I'm glad you brought that up because I was wondering that too. It's sort of like, I don't know. I don't know if, if it's because it was a bald joke against, pointed at a woman. It's definitely different. And I think it is different. I think if it had been a bald joke to J.K. Simmons, J.K. Simmons, right or, there, yeah, exactly. It was that. That's sort of like, yeah, that's who he is. But I think for her, this was something that she, and I. This goes all the way back to just some of the stuff that you were bringing up that made me think in terms of like men and being bald. We have the choice. We have the accepted yes. choice of just like. This is what it is. It's, yep. you know, and women still do not have that as much. I don't know if it's the end of the the ball joke. I mean, I, th- I don't I, think it is, but then I just go like, it is really what you can and can't joke about is continually, continually changing. And also it's like, you can like, go ahead and talk about how I'm bald. Like I'm well aware of it. I get right. it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can make a joke about it. I pr- I don't imagine I'm going to be upset. Maybe I will. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. But yeah. it just seems so well-trod and just stale. And this was a 20-something-year-old reference. And yeah. it's just, in general, it's commenting on somebody's appearance. And I just feel like maybe that is going away Yeah. overall. And I don't know. I just went like that. It sets a new precedent. There's a reset that I think has happened. Totally. With it. I, I'm aware now that I have a reactive sort of like dismissal or, or, you know, I just don't like it as much to humor that is cruel against someone's physical appearance or yeah. status and stuff. Yeah. And I think about the improv that I've done and yeah. some of the sort of like characters where I'm like, mm, okay, I'm going to give myself a little space that I was like a 20 something in this like closed environment that celebrated like going there and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I certainly had, you know, the artistic director at comedy sports, Madison's name is Brian Judkins. And he was always like, I want truth. And so if you're playing a character, that's not like you try Mm -hmm. to try your best to play it truthfully. And I think we're okay. And I think that is good advice then and horrible advice now. Like, I don't (laughs) think you can play, Every, I mean, improv is so wonderful because there's so many choices you can make. There's an infinite right. amount of choices you can make for all all the aspects of the scene work that you're doing. And yeah. so I appreciate the sort of open, the open source code of an improv mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. And, but yeah, like you can get yourself into some hot water pretty quick. Yeah. And I certainly did regrettable improv stuff, but I can't tell you what it was because it's all gone. Like we were saying before, right? I don't, I don't regret it. I think it just was of the moment that, well, I do regret it, but I don't know what it is. Right. I just know that we were working through stuff. We were trying all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm caught in a trap of my own self-reflection. Yeah. It's like, I, I mean, can't see the walls. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can. I don't know. Like Don Rickles will not be. There will not be another Don Rickles, probably. No, I doubt it. 
or if there will be, it'll be after you know the ravaged Earth sort of rises up again, and <laughs> and then our our little band of sort of like wandering nomads will be like, oh yeah, he's funny, he's taking the piss out of us. But there's yeah. something that I think the 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 defense of it's just a joke comes from uh, a kind of forced um, agreement that this is a a, an experience of camaraderie that you either participate in uh, making fun of someone or being made fun of, you know, whether it's sort of yeah. like in the roast environment or whatever. Yeah. Um, or you're uptight, you know, and I think that is gone now. We're like, no, you don't, you know, raise your game a little bit. But I don't know. Did you see Tim Heidecker did a post that was sort of lamenting? He did this post. I don't think I did. I, don't, I didn't see it. Yeah, it was like a, he was kind of lamenting, you know, that another sort of like restriction put on comedians and stuff. And I didn't agree with that that much because I know and he made the point that his stuff is, is very offensive a lot of times and intentionally so. But it didn't. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that holds as much water unless unless you're doing it for a point, you know, what I mean, right. which gets into satire and then. I don't think people have the ability to 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 wade through satire right now. You know, no, I mean? in fact, I did during the pandemic. Do you know the company Field Notes? They make little notebooks. Yeah, yeah. They're out of Chicago, so I know them from a different podcast I did, and they contacted me about writing sort of a pickup truck Bob Seger, Hank mm-hmm. Williams kind of style song, yeah. like an American yeah. ballad of the pickup truck, but for right because you do the your. You do music like in the journeyman and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I play right. guitar and pedal steel guitar, and so oh, cool. They they were like, let's let's see if you can write. Just try let's try it out. So mm-hmm. I can send you a link to the video. It's fun. But oh, cool. I wrote this ballad about like America works hard, and it just they were so I was exposed to Poe's Law, which I'd never heard of before. I don't know if you've heard of it, mm. but it's essentially like that gray area where satire becomes reality. Yeah. So it's your job as a satirist to lean harder towards the satire as you move into reality because the first draft i wrote they're like this just sounds like a real chevy commercial this doesn't sound they're like it's funny but it's funny to us because we know who you are and it need we need more absurdity in it we need more another more spice on the satire funny side but to me there's nothing funnier than like on the nose right Right. So uh, that's maybe why I had to correct the other way with that particular song, because it just turned into I was just trying to go exactly at the pickup truck song. Yeah. That's today's Chevrolet. Like that kind of earnest American weird hardworking thing that has become. I mean, it's such a cliche now. Totally. But it was really fun to sort of like back off of it and get more absurd and. But yeah, I'd never, inter- heard of, I'd never heard of Poe's Law, and it's never been more applicable than right now. Yeah. Because satire's, I don't know that it's dead, but God, Well, it's interesting, like, it does, like you said, it needs, it needs those sort of, like, uh, I don't know, mile markers or little indication it, things. It There's practically like this- needs you to hold the listener or viewer's hand. You almost yeah. need someone to go, this is satire. Right. Like, we're almost there. Where there's that clear, there's a not even a mile marker, there's a billboard. 
Well, that's of, where and, and that's where the fake. that's where the absurdity part where you have these things like, oh, okay, this is so far over the line. But I mean, that was a thing with the last season of Veep. They were like really having a hard time, yeah, exceeding reality. You know, uh, it they were just like talk to the writers like it is. I mean. Yeah. We're literally borrowing existing things yeah. and just changing some details and having our characters play them out. <laughs> but isn't that the best stuff? Because I just, you made me think of this. I, I had watched, I was, from the jump, I watched Secession on HBO. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is just brilliant. And yep. I was very into it. And mm-hmm. Matt Gorley, my my comedy spouse in many ways <laughs> had not watched it. And he's like, yeah, I don't really think I want to watch a show about a bunch of rich people. And oh, man. It doesn't seem, and I'm like, you would love it i know you so well i know you would love it yeah so he i didn't see him for a while and the next time i saw him he's like you didn't tell me it was a comedy yeah and i was like i don't think it's a comedy at all and he's like it is really funny yeah but it's almost got like that Chekhov stanislavsky battle of there's some a thing that I'm barely remembering from my theater school days. Right, Stanislavski right. thought the cherry orchard was a drama and Chekhov thought it was a comedy or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like when you, I think when you ride the line, you, you get some really tasty stuff. And I feel like secession does a great job because I've loosened a little more. Now I am like, Oh yeah, no, they're, they're doing a great job and it's very funny. Yeah. And it, I, I it picked up speed with that. I think. Yeah. But I, think I feel start... like you have to play for keeps a little bit. Mm hmm. Uh-huh. In any of that stuff, like, <laughs> no, uh-huh. just what it doesn't, it isn't funny unless the drama is playing for keeps too. Like yeah, serious totally. stuff has to be the foundation for any of these funny moments to happen too. Yeah. I just don't think it would work if it was all goofball stuff. Totally. Well, it's like the, the absurdity of their extremes Yeah, that is accepted as just like law as yeah. just the, the the correct reality is, yeah. is such a great jumping off point and all this and those those a lot of those writers wrote on veep and they wrote on yeah peep show it i love like the british the that a lot of those british sketch comedy people have gone into like you know black mirror they've didn't they've they've ventured into these creating these these shows that are like that are that do deal with satire, but they're they're also sort of like I don't know that especially with Mac Black Mirror, like it is so dark yeah. that it's funny, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the release valve, right? Like at I some point, so. something's got to give, and you end up laughing at that stuff. I don't know. I guess so. I mean that that part of comedy is always fascinating to me. The the because comedy does deal with extremes. It deals with sort of an extreme reaction or uh, an inflated characterization or circumstance yeah and so if they're already dealing with like re re realistic existing worlds that are so extreme yeah you know it can only kind of go from up from there and out from there yeah um yeah and i guess my big take with succession succession is like there's not enough bald characters on there (laughs) are there i guess there's frank Frank, yeah, the lawyer, yeah, and maybe he, that's it. I think that's it. Well, meanwhile, no. meanwhile, over on Showtime, Billions just has two baldies right on the right that's on the poster. True. Yeah, Corey Stone and right there. Paul Giamatti. Um, just the a couple of Pate pals. Secession is um uh, I can never remember his name. Um, 
he now has a very skinny neck. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> nope. He, he was like a he was like an '80s actor. Oh, Fisher Stevens. Fisher Stevens. He's he doing had, yeah. He's doing some covering up. He's got some stuff. covering up. He's yeah. got some covering up. Yeah, but, but other than that, that, nobody. I know. I mean, maybe that, maybe that high-profile, multi-million-dollar world just doesn't have room for Baldies, except for one Bezos. You can have one. Oh yeah, he's top like, dog, isn't he? Oh yeah, he doesn't need hair. He doesn't. Who? Need hair. Yeah, just get in the way. <laughs> uh, this was a delight, Mark. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate. It. I'm a big fan of the show. I oh, really cool, appreciate. The destigmatification. I can't say it. You've destigmatified. You've destigmatified baldness on some level every time you do an episode. I think it's great. Cool. I don't think it's anything to be afraid of. No. No. I know you're wrapping up, but I'm like, people have actually reached out to me, like fans of of Super Ego or whatever. Like they're Mm -hmm. like, hey, I'm losing my hair and you shave your head. Like, "Eh, I don't know. And I'm always like, just do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love my, that. My bald grandpa used to say the difference between a good haircut and a bad haircut is about a week. <laughs> so go ahead and if it's already a mess for you and you're feeling bad about it, make a change. And if you don't like that, you can get back to where you were. I love it. And that's my general feeling on it. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to take that quote, make it into a T-shirt and uh, make money off of it. Please that's do. Cool. Yeah, Great. totally fine. Yeah. I mean, again, back to the monetization. That's, yeah, that's you got to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. All right, man. Thanks so much. And Thanks, everybody, Brian. stay bald. All bald talk. Talking bald, yeah. Life is unfair when you lose all your hair. But now you've got someone to talk to. Brian and Charlie have a hairless party. like comic books do you like brothers do you like brothers talking about comic books then this is the podcast for you screw it we're just going to talk about comics will hines and kevin hines performers from the upright citizen brigade theater and actual brothers talk about actual comic books they love like spider-man the fantastic four and many more if you prefer your podcast to be about fictional people talking about fictional books this isn't it but otherwise screw it we're just going to talk about comics from campfire media Campfire.